Are you ready to make 2017 the year you transform your life? You can wait for something to happen, or you're actually going to decide to go, go home after this weekend to do something about that. We all know that we have a very, very limited amount of time on this earth. So let's not have repeated years. Live your own life. Make the choice, make the decision for your own life. Fear is where you develop courage. There's a moment going, holy crap, all right, I'm gonna do this now. The Wellness Breakthrough is coming. And so you actually have that choice every single morning, every single day, every single moment to decide whether you're gonna live it to the fullest or not. Join myself, Marcus Pierce, and the Wellness Guys, Damien Christoph, Lawrence Tam, and Brett Hill for two nights and three days of transformation at the Country Place. Ten acres of breathtaking rainforest in the Dandenong Ranges of Victoria, February 17th to 19th. It's each and every single one of you are going to support each other in your journey, whatever that journey is. Couples discounts available, limited spots remaining for all information and to watch the spine-chilling video, go to thewellnessbreakthrough.com. TheWellnessCouch.com, streaming wellness into your life. We've always taken mums the word to mean keeping things to ourselves. Well, this is no longer the case as we provide mums with the natural, honest, and reliable resources they need from experts and other mums to keep their families happy, healthy, and safe. Be prepared to use your passion for parenting to empower yourself with the knowledge of choice. Welcome to Mums the Word with your host, mum and chiropractor, Kaz Jaff. Hey Mums the Word listeners, it's Kaz Jaff here. I'm pretty excited. It's our first birthday today. That's correct. It is episode 53. Um, I usually commit to something and stick with it. So it's not that I didn't think we'd get here, but I just, um, I'm so grateful for the uh, experience and the guests that I've connected with, the message I'm able to share with you all, and also the feedback that I get from you, knowing that um, people out there are really learning things even before they um, get pregnant, but also that we're changing people's uh, experience and and how babies come into the world, which is a super big passion of mine. So thanks for uh, sticking with us and loads more to come. Pretty excited that uh, iTunes likes us as well, but you could definitely help us out and um, give us a rate and review on iTunes, which means that you just need to go on your computer to the iTunes, search for Mums the Word, and once you get to that page, somewhere between the tab of details and related, there's a ratings and review tab. And you just have to, um, well, hopefully subscribe already but that you've been subscribed, but actually just um, write us a little message. I don't think iTunes is too um, keyed into how long the message is. It's more that um, the number helps us get out there and, and grow up the ranks as well so that we're getting the message out to more people around the globe. If you could do that, I'd be super grateful. Maybe a little birthday present to Mum's the Word, if, if you will. This week's episode, we have Jules Galloway on and uh, I met Jules first at the Wellness Summit. You've heard a few guests uh, recently that I've met there, so many amazing minds and um, I highly recommend it if you're able to get to another Wellness Summit. I think some of the past ones are available online as well. You'd have to do some research, but um, it wouldn't take too long. Anyway, Jules um, has a super uh, energetic uh, presence and I, um, when I heard uh, some of her story, I just wanted to get her on to share and I knew that um, she'd be able to help a lot of mums. So here she is. She's a passionate naturopath, a speaker, a podcaster and a recipe creator. 
Health wasn't always Jules, uh, Jules's priority. After a challenging youth, she lived a party lifestyle for over a decade, but when it began to take its toll on her mind and body, she ditched the busy inner city life for a fresh start in Byron Bay hinterland in Australia. Diagnosed with pyrrole disorder, adrenal fatigue, and a pesky gene mutation thrown in for good measure, Jules has learned the importance of nourishing herself using whole foods, supplements, happiness, gratitude, and a good dose of humor. Now, with over 10 years of clinical experience, Jules has made it her mission to help women find their shine again. She's guided hundreds of women through her women through her e-course, Shiny Healthy You, Fatigue to Fabulous in 12 Weeks, and also sees clients individually and also on Skype. Her podcast gets thousands of downloads every week. When she's not helping her tribe to become healthy, Jules can be found surfing, hanging out with her husband and their elderly rescue dogs, or walking the famous Byron Bay Lighthouse Track. And you can find all her details in the show notes. They'll definitely be there. Check her out. Her podcast is Shiny Healthy You. Highly recommend it. And here she is, Jules. Hey, Jules. Welcome to Mums the Word. So excited to have you on the show. Please tell the listeners a little bit about yourself. Thank you so much for having me, Kaz. This is uh, really exciting. Uh, I'm a naturopath. I'm originally from Melbourne and I live near Byron Bay now. And my special interest is helping women who are suffering from fatigue. Uh, So I've got a bit of a colourful history myself um, and I've had a lot of health issues myself. And they were never like really chronic, nasty, you know, full-on things. It was just niggly thing after niggly thing and then that that degenerated into anxiety, fatigue, all those sorts of things that you can't quite put your finger on and it was only when I discovered naturopathy and whole foods and eating really well that I began to heal myself and that's what I do now I I really look to help other women who are in similar situations so yeah I'm all about the whole foods I'm all about uh, herbal medicines supplements all of that stuff as well but first and foremost I look at the diet and I look at underlying reasons for why women might be feeling unwell in the first place yeah so I'm not going to let you get away with not sharing more depth about that but we'll get into that for a sec but I guess a shared philosophy and you are what you eat so I'm very excited for the listeners to hear your message so we've decided yay we've decided (laughs) to talk all about adrenal fatigue and um and it's a it's a big issue out there, um, sometimes called postnatal fatigue. But I think just in the general population, it's the fact when you are burning the candle at both ends. And as you and I would, I guess, agree that you're just not giving to yourself as well. So or listening to your signals. So let's get a little bit more depth into how that all came about to be your focus in practice. Yeah, because it never really, I never set out that way. I've got a background working as a naturopath in drug and alcohol rehabilitation. I've got a background working as a naturopath for vitamin companies. And so it really wasn't my focus until I burned out myself. Yeah. And so I was working 50 to 60 hours every week uh, doing work as a corporate naturopath, uh, flying around Australia. Uh, I was visiting different airports all the time, different cities all the time. I was on the road a lot. It was crazy. I was w- doing work from home. I was doing work on planes and I never, never stopped. And I thought I was fine because I had this big, like huge fruit bowl full of different supplements on my kitchen bench and I just put them all in my suitcase and off I'd go. And so I had a vitamin for everything. I had a pill or a powder for everything and I was so sure that I was healthy except I wasn't eating very well. I was living on takeaway. I didn't cook. I didn't do any of that stuff. But I was like, oh, I've got you know magnesium. I've got this green powder. I've got spirulina. I've got this other thing over here. I've got a B vitamin. I'm fine. And 
I wasn't fine. I burned out in glorious fashion and hit rock bottom and was just so sick and so tired and I didn't understand that there wasn't a pill that was going to fix that without changing my diet and so and probably lifestyle as well <laughs> oh totally so as part of that we left Melbourne we I left my job uh, we moved to Byron Bay uh, we started a new life here and things really slowed down for us and it was only when things slowed down for us that I started to realize how much lifestyle has you know has a has a big role to play in all of this and how you know a lot of what I was doing in the city was just trying to chalk up a really crappy lifestyle with supplements and that it didn't work and and probably a really crappy diet as well that I was chalking up with supplements and it didn't work and when we moved to Byron we didn't know that many people I think we knew like two people three people when we moved here and so we had a lot of time to ourselves to go out and explore the region we didn't have the same hectic social life that we had in Melbourne so on the weekend we'd get in the car and we'd drive and we'd find farms and we'd find farmers markets and I'd start to buy produce and bring it home and cook meals from scratch, which I hadn't done before really ever and and certainly not on a regular basis. And then suddenly here's me in the kitchen every day cooking stuff from scratch and cooking with whole foods and suddenly that big bowl of supplements became a smaller bowl of supplements and then I, I managed to transition to an even smaller bowl and and now I've got this, you know, this one little fruit bowl that's not really even a fruit bowl anymore of supplements and and instead of all those pills and powders, I now rely on whole foods and good food and real food to fill that gap. And it's it's definitely a big turnaround and a big change for me. And I started looking at how that sort of, you know, that sort of lifestyle change is needed by women in general and how so many women out there are burning the candle at both ends and so many women my age, because I'm 40, and how many women my age are just at right at the end of their tether like they're burned out almost past that point of no return where they're just they've got nothing left to give but they still have very very high expectations of themselves and I started when I when I started my practice up here in Byron because I waited a little while before I sort of opened my doors to clients again as a practitioner in a sort of one-on-one setting and when I did finally open my doors to clients up here I kept attracting the same kind of client over and over again and it was always, she was always female, she was always around 35 to 45, she usually had one to two children, Uh, those kids, probably one of them would be around primary school age or maybe just about to go to primary school so that both the kids were still quite young and they were just all right at the end of their tether and they were so worn out and so tired and starting to get the anxiety and starting to get the depression and starting to get, you know, what used to be niggly health conditions starting to go more chronic. Uh, So we're looking at autoimmune diseases creeping in. We're looking at, you know, stuff like joint pain creeping in. And I started realizing that a lot of what had happened to me in the last five to 10 years was all a really amazing learning curve that I could then used to help others because I'd done the groundwork and I'd done the trial and error and I'd pushed it too far myself and I'd burned out myself and I'd come back from there. And it's funny that sometimes they do say in business that you often attract the the thing that or the the thing or the practitioner or the the product that you needed five years ago. Yeah. And I and I just kept seeing 
you know, client after client after client coming through my doors or through virtual doors because I do Skype as well. But it was always that same theme. They'd been putting themselves last for a really long time. They weren't cooking meals from scratch anymore because that's for people who've got too much time on their hands and these women don't have time on their hands. They're trying to do it all and they'd really started to lose touch with their own body and their own intuition as well. Like they really just lost that connection with themselves. And I I really enjoy now helping women get back from there because having done it myself, I, I know that it's hard and I know that it's a complete it's a completely different way of looking at things and it's a bit of a lifestyle 180 in a lot of ways. But it's it's so satisfying when you do help women get back from that place because you see that spark become reignited in them again and that's a really beautiful thing. Yeah, yeah. Well, first of all, um, thank you for your brutal honesty to hear naturopaths say that they were eating takeaway meals and not making stuff from scratch and, you know, had this bowl of supplements that they start to realize, hang on, what am I doing? That's that's a big thing for a naturopath to say that. So, I know that's just pure pure honesty thank you and and (laughs) right I mean you know like there must have been a reason that you got into naturopathy and if you weren't from that sort of whole foods background then it's obviously from a place that you just want to help people and you know I'm sure there's more to the story but um that's still that's still there and that shines through and now you've just got more I guess tools in your kit box but also I think the world has changed, hasn't it? I mean, you know, go back to when you were either studying, we didn't have Instagram, we didn't have, I don't know, Snapchat. Like, I mean, even to write a letter, you know, even we go back 20 years ago, you would never write 20 letters a day. And now we've got emails coming in left, right and center. Like life is busy and we haven't even thrown in the kid factor as well into your life. So, you know, this is a crisis going on for people. I know, and I don't understand why women are still putting all of that pressure on themselves to think that they can do it all. Like, would you expect someone else to do, you know, if you actually pulled apart your, your workload for the week and you wrote down all the things you do, if if someone was your employee, would you expect them to do all of that in one week for you? Like, it, it's just too much. It is literally too much. And I know it's really hard as a woman to balance you know all the things that we that we want to do and we want to give we we want to help and and we want to nurture and we want to look after everyone but at the moment all I'm seeing in clinic is that it's at the expense of our own health and that I find that really scary yeah yeah, absolutely. And I mean, look, we've done an episode on stress and there's definitely issues on hormones being thrown out of whack. And it's almost like it's another way to get the message across, really, you know, that people aren't giving enough to themselves. But I guess um, just from getting deeper into the topic so that if someone is out there suffering, um, and I'm sure there's a lot of people, um, new mums, um, as listeners of Mums the Word, that are going, oh, that sounds like me. And there's definitely elements that I hear in myself as well. And, you know, I've got a child of three and six, so, you know, and a single parent as well. So let's not even go there. But um, what are some of the symptoms that people could sort of start to see where things are getting a little bit into the realm of, whoa, I need to take action. And then I guess my next question is, um, you know, or we'll get into it, I guess, strategies and things like that. But let's just start with some of the common things that you're seeing as warning signals. And then maybe even if they've ignored those warning signals, what are the deeper issues that could could occur? Yeah. And I think the first thing that has to happen is because it's such a slippery slope, we have to really pan out and look at ourselves now, but compare ourselves to where we were at five years ago or 10 years ago. 
you really have to pan out and and look at things objectively, not look at what your expectations of yourself are. So if you pan out and, and look at where you are now, if you're experiencing symptoms of adrenal fatigue, um, and that, that's the term that most naturopaths will use for this situation when women start to get burned out, uh, we call it adrenal fatigue because the adrenals have a really, really huge role to play in keeping us healthy when we're stressed. So symptoms of adrenal fatigue are very, very varied. Um, I, like I've written a couple of blog posts on it myself that I can give you links to in the show notes where it lists a truckload of symptoms. But the the most general ones would be things like anxiety that just pops up for no good reason, like that real generalized anxiety, um, that real lack of energy, especially in the morning, like not being able to get out of bed in the morning is a huge one. Like the people who are hitting snooze, 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 snooze. Although if you've got kids, you probably don't get a snooze alarm because kids no, don't they are the alarm. snooze alarm. Yeah. yeah. They don't, they don't have a snooze button. <laughs> I <laughs> but, know, right? Yeah. So if you're not bounding out of bed in the morning, then we have a problem. Uh, and it will be dismissed as being tired, but it's more than tired. It's that real got nothing left in the tank feeling. Another time that another danger time to look out for with adrenal fatigue is at about sort of nine o'clock at night. And what a lot of a lot of people will do is they will just fall asleep on the couch watching some sort of crappy telly, and then they'll wake up, go to bed, and then they can't sleep. But it's like, oh, I fell asleep on the couch. I was out cold on the couch. Why can't I sleep half an hour later in the comfy bed? So that that's a real that's a real warning sign as well that that you've got issues with your cortisol, which are the you know it's the stress hormone that your adrenals pump out. So those sorts of things they're huge. Now, when you're suffering from adrenal fatigue, a lot of other organs come into play, and a lot of other parts of the body start to have issues. So we'll we'll see things like issues with digestion where there never used to be issues with digestion um we see things like uh thyroids that aren't quite functioning correctly anymore because the adrenals and the thyroids have a bit of a, a a bit of a close relationship there and one can affect the other uh female reproductive hormones starting to go out of whack so i get a lot of women who say oh my god i've always had a little bit of pms but the last few months i just want to kill someone um, and it's usually the husband, but you know, no, hopefully not literally, but that's what they say. They're like, yeah, oh, I just want to. And if that hasn't been the case and it's just popped up recently, then, and if you've been stressed prior to it popping up, then I would be looking at adrenals there as well as, as one of the possible factors. So it, it starts to, your adrenal glands, when they are overworked and when they're exhausted, they start to have a party with a whole bunch of other organs. They don't just go out on their own. They take a bunch of other body systems down with them. So that's why a lot of people, you know, find it really hard to connect it back to the adrenals themselves because it's like no no it's just pms it's like no 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 you've got an issue with your female hormones because the same precursors that you need to make the female hormones are the same precursors you need to make the stress hormones and your body's so busy making the stress hormones it doesn't have any left for your reproductive system which is why we now have an imbalance over there so the body's a really interesting thing in how it tries to compensate when you're stressed as well uh, there's so, so, so many things that I see with women. Another one is gaining weight, mm-hmm. uh, especially the abdominal fat. You know how like it seems like the internet is obsessed with belly fat, hey? Uh, but 
it's not just about what you eat. It's about how your body processes that food once you eat it. And if your body is the type of body that just puts on weight around the abdominal region, if you so much as sniff a carb, then, you know, it's not just about cutting carbs. It's about looking why looking at why your body is putting on weight when you eat those carbs. And again, like I said, with the adrenal glands having a bit of a party with some of your other organs, the adrenal glands actually send out a message uh, to your pancreas to create more insulin. And so if you're creating more insulin when you eat the carbohydrates, then you're going to put on more body fat. So, so, so many things, so, so many things. I, I, there's probably some people out there just nodding their heads right now. <laughs> oh, I'm sure like more than 50% of the listeners. I mean, even when you talked about, you know, that falling asleep, um, you know, if I can put myself in the shoes of the parents that are laying down with their kids to fall asleep, like the three-year-old like mine, and it's like, okay, now I get that moment. It's like, well, yeah, I actually I'm a little bit sleep deprived. I'll just nod off. And then I almost like have to jolt myself awake and go, okay, now I'm going to have to make the lunches, clean up the dinner, um, you know, get some of those to-do list things, send an email reply or whatever. And it's like I need that. It's almost like I need that second win because there aren't enough hours in the day to do those things. Um, And I don't really want to, you know, have to get up in the morning and clean the kitchen. So it's like I want to have that second win when really I should just go to bed, you know. Yeah. And that second wind, that second wind is actually a cortisol spike and it's part of your fight or flight system, but it's malfunctioning. So your fight or flight system is actually something that's in all of us that was designed to get us out of trouble when, you know, back in caveman times. Like this is a very primitive system that hasn't changed. It hasn't evolved. It's still pretty much the same as it's been for hundreds and hundreds and, and potentially thousands of years. And what it is, is it's designed to get you out of trouble. So if you're living in a cave or, a, you know, a hut, back in primitive times and a wild animal came to the door of that cave or came to the mouth of that cave, then you have to have this burst of stress hormones. You need to have this burst of cortisol and adrenaline in order to actually make you feel faster, stronger and more powerful. All right. So that's called your fight or flight uh, mechanism and that's because it's either designed to get you to fight the danger or take flight. And run, so yeah. you feel it coursing through your veins. Like a really simple version of this is if, say, you're driving down a really busy street and someone cuts you off and you have to slam on the brakes, you know that tingling feeling that sort of goes up and down your arms and up and down your legs and suddenly you're really wired? Well, that's that's those stress hormones. And so it's designed to get you out of trouble, this fight or flight mechanism. It's designed to get you to be able to run away or to fight the danger and, it, you know, it was only really meant to turn up when you had massive amounts of danger present. So, and doesn't that stay in the bloodstream for quite a while as well? Yeah, it does. It does. And these days, like, we don't have wild animals, but we have ongoing stress. So, like, how when you're living in caves and huts and whatnot, how often would you actually need that fight or flight response? Would it be 10 times a day or would it be once a week mm. or was it, was it even less than once a week? Like how often did a bear or a saber-toothed tiger or whatever come to your home? Yeah. And so now that fight or flight thing's happening every day, like every day. If you're doing school pickup, school drop-off, running to the supermarket in between, maybe your boss rings you and is demanding that you do some extra work and then maybe your mum-in-law rings you and wants to stress you out about something there and before you know it, and driving in traffic will do it, and even I think scrolling Facebook and coming across stuff that's very stimulating on Facebook will do it. Before you know it, you've had 
that little dose of cortisol happening throughout the whole day. And the early stages of adrenal fatigue, we would describe as being wired but tired. And yeah. that's when those that's when that fight or flight response is still really high and those stress hormones are really high. And a lot of women mistake that part of adrenal fatigue for feeling really good. <laughs> They're like, oh my God, I got so much done today. Like I was on point. I just smashed my to-do list. I am superwoman. I'm on fire. And it's like, no, 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 no. You're actually in the early stages of adrenal fatigue. Sorry to let you know, but you are. So let me tell you how this is going to pan out because at the moment you're getting heaps of stuff done and you're on point and you're really, really, you know, you're smashing it, but this is not sustainable, right? Because at some point your adrenal glands are going to like not be able to produce that amount of stress hormone and that's when you start to go backwards into fatigue and that's when you start to have the insomnia, the inability to handle stress, the energy that fluctuates throughout the day. And then that's when you have a stressful event happen to you and instead of feeling wired, you feel really fatigued. So you come away from those stressful situations feeling really drained and depleted and that's a sign that now you're into the, the later stages of adrenal fatigue. So that's when you'll start to, you know, that that's when your digestion has a little bit of a holiday and, you know, your female repro hormones have a little bit of a holiday. Your sex drive will probably just leave the building. Um, you might have issues with low blood pressure. You might start to get sick more frequently where you never used to get colds and flus at all and now you're like, I get them all the time now. I've had more this year than ever before. That can be a sign because your immune system's just not up to the, the challenge anymore because that, that's been affected by your adrenals as well. And the one I see the most, which is the most telling one, I reckon, because it's easily measured, is if you have a cup of coffee, like a nice, strong, good cup of coffee, does it even work on you anymore? Do you feel anything? And if you if it makes you feel super jittery or if it doesn't work on you at all and it makes you feel more tired, then we got a problem. Yeah. Yeah. And then let's, let's just sort of also give a little bit of idea for someone who's trying to get pregnant who's that busy corporate person, whether it's, I don't know, let's say it's their first baby and they're on that, you know, and you mentioned that it sort of plays wreak and havoc. How does that end up with working with a fertility? Well, if you've got high cortisol, then the precursors that you need in order to make the cortisol are the same precursors you need to make your female reproductive hormones. So if you have your hormones in balance, it's going to be easier to get you pregnant. If your hormones are out of balance, then it's going to be often harder to get you pregnant. So that's the first thing. Yeah. That's the first thing. But also if you're highly stressed, then that's going to lead to you know systemic inflammation throughout the whole body. Um, there is always a trade-off for being stressed. And so if, if that stress is affecting other areas of your body, then it's all going to affect your fertility because say if the stress affects your digestion and your digestion is not performing at its optimum level, then you're not going to absorb your nutrients as easily from the food that you eat. And if you don't absorb the nutrients from the food that you eat, then you're not going to be able to nourish your own body and potentially nourish the body of a, of a baby that's growing inside you. So there's, you know, and that's just one example. There's no, so, this is loud there's and so clear. many others. Yeah, no, that's, I just wanted to make the point about that, you know, being from the same source of, you know, to produce the hormones and that you made it really clear. Um, and then, of course, listening, I'm just thinking of that mum who's got a newborn you're almost in this adrenaline state. You've just been up for maybe a day or two and you, you know, it's in potentially the middle of the night and you have a baby and it's like, oh, wow, when I did it and you're on this high 
And then it's like you, you've got so much energy, you know you need to sleep with the baby, but you can't. Um, it sits in your bloodstream. And then it's like after a few days, you know, and you, you're going through the motions and there's lack of sleep and it's almost like you're in this newborn bubble. And, I mean, how, how long can someone sustain that really? Well, it really depends on the person, but everyone's going to come a cropper at some point. It depends on the health of your adrenals going into all of this, the general health of your body, um, how you know how nourished you are in terms of like you know nutrients in your body. Mm-hmm. Uh, so everyone's going to be different, and I do think though that it's it's not a matter of if it's going to affect you. It's it's more a matter of when. So everyone does come a cropper at some point, but. There's, there's also things we can do during that time that help to bring down those stress hormones during the day. Like I know we can't, we can't solve the baby bubble problem, you know, especially in a, in a 45 minute podcast, because if you're in it, you're in it. And that's just how it's, that's just how it is for a lot of people. And you've just, you know, when you're in it, like you, you do, you're in that mode where you just kind of have to push through, especially if you don't have a lot of help. Yeah. If, if you're being offered help, accept the help accept the help it's not a sign of weakness it's a sign of community and women I think have forgotten what it's like to allow themselves to be helped by the community and by other women and that whole it takes a village to raise a child is not just about raising the child it's about nourishing and looking after the mother as well and I think a lot of us are too proud to take on that help but please if the help's offered first of all take the help yeah, uh, yeah. You're definitely speaking the mum's the word language here, and I know that you know as we <laughs> mentioned that you're not a mum, and um, but you you're resonating um and saying what we've said many times that it takes a village to raise a child, and um you know that's bring it back to basics, and you know it's yeah you it's awesome hearing this. I almost want you to say it again louder, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. I can say it all day, but at the end of the day, if if you're hearing this, then you you need to do it. You need to just swallow your pride and do it because I know a lot of it comes down to thinking that, you know, no one else suffers like this. And then you find out a few years down the track that actually everyone was suffering, but it's just no one was talking about it. I think we need to talk about it more and we need to talk about where we're at. We need to ask for help. And the help will be there and then you get the chance to help someone else down the track because if you look after your health now, then when your kids are in primary school and someone up the road from you needs help, you'll have the energy to help them. But if, you, if you're suffering from adrenal fatigue down the track, then you won't be able to help them. So it does go around in circles, like it swings and roundabouts. If you allow other people to pitch in for you now, then you'll be able to pitch in for someone else and pay it forward down the track. That's how it should be working. Yeah, awesome. And so then, I mean, obviously, we're talking really about raising resilience, you know, um, because like you said, the stresses are going to continue. The boss might still be asking for you to do and you've got to get the kids to school. And um, so let's, I guess, um, you know, what are some of those things that you said that you could bring down stress hormones? Yeah, mindfulness. First and foremost, we need to look at introducing and practicing mindfulness on a regular basis. It's been proven, there's studies to show that it brings cortisol levels down quite quickly and that even just a 10-minute mindfulness or meditation session can do the world of good. And so that that's the perfect place to start is to find a window of opportunity to start practicing mindfulness. And I'm talking about not just doing it when you think about it, but grab your iPhone, open up the calendar and put it in the calendar. Make an appointment with yourself and 
stick to it. You, you know, have the little alarm that goes off. All right, I'm going to go and do my mindfulness uh, practice now. Have an app on your phone. There's plenty of mindfulness apps out there. Have something, have something ready to go. Have your headphones ready to go and do it. I've got clients who are doing it sitting in the car park waiting for a school pickup. They just get there 10 minutes early. They park around the corner. They whack their headphones in. They close their eyes. It looks like they're listening to music. They don't look weird at all. So there's there's plenty of places and you don't even have to do 10 minutes to start with. There's mindfulness out, apps out there that have two-minute mindfulness, five-minute mindfulness and so on. So that's a really good place to start. And like I said, it's been proven to help reduce cortisol le- levels. So if you're in that flight or fight mode and you're feeling really peaky and maybe a bit anxious, this is the perfect thing for you. The next is is mindful cooking and mindful eating. Cooking food from scratch doesn't just help you nutritionally. It also helps you to become more connected with your food and to slow down and cook mindfully. So putting that energy into the food. And look, if you've got kids who are like a little bit older, maybe they're already at primary school and they can do a bit of help in the kitchen, then teaching them those good habits too is really fantastic. Getting everyone in and and doing a bit of cooking together is always, always a good thing. I think those are two really good places to start. And then, you know, in line with that, then looking at if, if you are suffering from anxiety or if you are very stressed or if you need some more coping mechanisms, then I often uh, get my clients to look at more doing meditation type things where maybe they're not really good at sitting still and meditating, but they're good at yoga or they're good at Tai Chi or they're good at Qigong or even like breathing exercises like pranayama breathing exercises. Find out what works for you. Find out what your meditation is. It might not be sitting still. It might be some some sort of doing meditation, but it has to be something that takes you away from thinking about everything else for a little while. It, I find that sometimes when people are running, they're also thinking about their to-do list for the week, so that's no good. It has to take you away from your to-do list. Yeah. Yeah, I think standing in tree pose will do that to anyone, <laughs> right? I mean, you have to be so in the moment. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So yeah, balancing poses in yoga, they take up all your mind, all your all the space in your head. And I love it when people come back and say to me, oh, I did this thing and I didn't think about anything else for a whole hour. And I'm like, yes, that's what we want you to do more of. With so much great information provided on each episode, we've created an easy way for you to stay up to date on keeping your family happy, healthy, and safe. For exclusive content, as well as show notes, links for everything we discuss on the episode, as well as a free newsletter to help keep you informed, visit mumsthewordpodcast.com. I think, you know, getting back to what you said is that we owe it to ourselves as well. Like It's that oxygen mask, you know, that you need to put it on yourself if you're able to provide for your kids or your partner or, you know, whoever. Yeah, some of that, some of that stuff, it's cliched because it's true that fitting your own oxygen mask before you fit the, the person next to you. It's cliched because it's good and because it works and because it's true. And I think we resist and we resist and we resist helping ourselves because we're so internally programmed to help everyone else first and to put ourselves last. But look at where it's got us. Look yeah. at where we're headed. And I think that we need to understand that this this needs to change now and that you know, we're raising kids and we want to raise them to put themselves first so that they're not 
doing this to themselves again. Yeah, yeah. And um, you mentioned coffee before um, as, a, as a little bit of a tester on yourself. Where is there, is there, if you're in adrenal fatigue, is there a safe amount or it's like just cut it out, Let's work, work on cutting it out? <laughs> you know what? I've got a I've got a twelve week program, and it's the first thing that everybody asks. Um, and the second is the sugar. <laughs> but, but it's like coffee. Can I have coffee? Do I have to give up coffee? I don't know if I can give up coffee. And it's like, oh, okay. Let's let's take the middle ground approach here, because as a naturopath, it would be easy for me to go, coffee's bad, and you can't have it. But we live in the real world, and I drink coffee, and I've had adrenal fatigue. And a lot of people enjoy coffee and rely on it. So, so let's look at what a good middle ground would be. Yeah. Now, if you're in the earlier stages of adrenal fatigue, you can probably get away with a little bit. I think if anyone's having more than two cups a day and they've got any health concerns, then we need to sort of assess that and go, all right, I, I like to get most of my clients down to one to two cups a day. And that I find that that is a pretty good middle ground for a lot of them. Now, If you're in later stages of adrenal fatigue, we might be looking at a situation where we do have to cut it down further than that or maybe get rid of it altogether. Uh, Of course, I only pull the coffee out of the diet in my clients if it's really, really needed because I understand that people do love it so much. But, yeah, sometimes we do. We do have to get rid of it for a little while just to give the adrenals a real break. The other thing is, um, and I've heard, um, Dr. Damo, yeah, Damien Christoph talk about this as well in that it's also about where you have your coffee and how you have your coffee in your day. So uh, he would never have it on an empty stomach. He eats breakfast first and then has a coffee. So that means that the, the delivery of the caffeine into the bloodstream is buffered and because it's buffered, well, basically that just means it's drip-fed into the bloodstream slower. So instead of getting that intense coffee rush, you now get it kind of drip-fed into your system over a period of a couple of hours because there's food in your tummy to help to prevent it absorbing all at once. So the other reason, the other reason, if I can interject, is the reason that he says that is that when you have coffee, you're setting yourself into that fright or flight process, or what we call, I guess, you know, in a sort of more neurological setting, the sympathetic response. So you're telling your body you're in stress. Now, if the body's in stress and being, you know, wanting wanting to run away from that uh, saber-toothed tiger, it's not really focused on digesting dinner right now. So when you're having that coffee, it's um, redirecting the blood to the limbs so that you can run really fast and not anywhere near the, you know, the central, I guess, organs. So digestion is not going to be as good. So the reason that you wouldn't have the coffee before you had the meal is that you're going to make this nice, gorgeous meal and prepare all this great nutrition and you're not going to have it directed to you as well. I think that's something that he also says. Yeah, absolutely. And that, that just makes so much sense. And like I said, if you're in fight or flight, then the adrenals start to work and pump out stress hormones at the expense of, of other parts of the body. And so that, and the reason, yeah, the reason that the digestion shuts down is because it's deemed non-essential compared to getting you away from that imminent danger. So once the digestion shuts down, you have to wake it up again. And so there's all these people who are having their apple cider vinegar or their lemon juice in water to kind of wake up the digestion and get the enzymes and the stomach acid and everything going before they eat. Perhaps they're just in fight or flight. And if they just help to switch off that fight or flight response, perhaps the digestion wouldn't have to be shaken awake all the time. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Good point. Good point. Yeah. And then, um, and so you would suggest like maybe having it around 10 o'clock or something where you've had your brekkie or. Yep. 
food first, then coffee. And I think the food needs to have, and we should check with Damo about this because I think he has done a fair bit of reading around it, but I think the food has to have either a fair bit of protein or a fair bit of fat in it, and that's what helps to buffer the absorption of the caffeine. Well, I know he's very big on protein with every meal, that's for sure. But, um, oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and so let's just be really clear because I know I've practiced in Holland for a long time and people will say, yeah, but, I mean, it's a weak coffee and, it, you know, I fill it with milk. It's like if you're having a coffee with a shot, it's a coffee, right? Whether you had it black, you had it, you know, espresso. I mean, that's a coffee. Yeah, but at least the milk has got that protein and that fat, which I think are what you need to help to buffer the absorption. So if you ah, have okay. black, yeah. yeah. And I and I'm gonna go full disclosure. I'm married to a barista. <laughs> so wow, we, we, wow! You cannot do. not have coffee. Wow. Oh me. yeah, it's part of our lives here. But you know, Literally. I have I've gone for periods without coffee, and it makes him a bit sad because he loves making me the coffee. Mm. He loves me going and getting the coffee from him, and he loves being able to do it for me. So he gets really sad when I keep up caffeine. Like I recently, only a few weeks ago, just decided I wasn't gonna have coffee or alcohol for a good few weeks and you know it was fine the the hardest part about giving it up was dealing with him being so sad that he couldn't make it for me so I, I started giving him some other things that he you know alternatives he could make for me instead but we've had a lot of robust discussions um and we've done a lot of research on the couch about you know uh how much caffeine's in each drink and how quickly it's absorbed into the body because he's got cold brew coffee uh, business as well and he makes this cold brew coffee but he only makes it black and he noticed that people were saying that it seems to have more caffeine than the regular coffee that they drink but it turns out we think that it was because they were drinking the cold brew black but when they have normal coffee they have a latte and so that's when we started doing a bit of reading around the role of the milk in the coffee and whether it buffers the absorption of the caffeine. And, and isn't that the principle behind butter coffee as well? You know, I the think paleo, it could well be the, um, the fat in the butter coffee. The bulletproof. The, yeah, the bulletproof. About, yeah, it could well be. I think, do you have anything to say about decaf then? If it's water decaffeinated, then I'm, I'm fine with that. I'm okay. absolutely fine with that. Look, I've got more issues sometimes, depends on the client, but I've often got more issues with the sugar that they're putting in their coffee and the milk that they're putting in their coffee that might not be doing them any favours either. So I take everyone on a case-by-case basis, an individual basis, but if by switching to decaf, that's a good move for that person, if that's a small step forward in the right direction, Especially if it's their ritual, if it's their ritual where they take time to read the paper and, you know, because that's a lot of people's thing. It's the one thing they do for themselves where they sit down and take time in. I mean, we also have to look at that too, I guess. Yeah. And is that your mindfulness time? Is that, is that your, is that your self nurturing time, your self care moment in the day? And if that's your only self care moment in the day, then yes, we still have to have a chat. Uh, But it's a good start. And, but yeah, if by switching to from coffee to decaf and it's water decaffeinated, because some of those other decafs have got some pretty nasty chemicals added to them, uh, or used in the processing. Instruction. So, yeah, yeah. So yeah. yeah, look, as long as it's a healthier a healthier option, then I think it's a good step because sometimes just telling someone they can't have something, and I've worked a lot with people getting them to go gluten free 
dairy-free, cane sugar-free. And I know from experience that you can't just rock up and tell someone they can't have something. You have to provide them with an alternative that's going to ease their pain and help them transition away from, you know, where you want them to go. So from where they were to where you want them to go. So if if I want to get them onto herbal tea <laughs> and they're currently having six coffees a day, then, yeah, we have to make some of those coffees a decaf and then we might take some of the sugar out of the coffee first and you know little steps it doesn't have to be done all at once it it's probably taken a lot of people years to get into this hole you don't have to dig yourself out in one week yeah yeah it's a good point and so then is testing relevant like if someone you know is not feeling the jittery effect of a coffee anymore and that's like a an easy test or they're starting to you know have pms and is is testing something that you do just more as a as a set point to know where they where they are and where they can get to or is that something that you just think well it's clear that you've got it and you know what what is the sort of um, thought process around that and if you are testing with clients what what are we doing I often test with clients but I don't always and I take again I take it on a case by case basis because the adrenal uh, the testing that I do is about $120 so I only test if I think it's going to be money well spent. Uh, I will test women if uh, we want a base to work off so we can then test again in six months to see what's shifted. And I think that can be really important. So it's more, we know you've got adrenal fatigue, but we're going to do the test so that we can see exactly where you're at so that we can then see whether what we've done has worked down so, the track. So there are levels. It's not like a yes or a no. It's like, you know, how bad no. down that hole are you? Just, I mean, I, I, you know, I'm just asking for the listeners here. No, in the earlier stages of adrenal fatigue, you'll actually see the cortisol can be quite high throughout the day. Um, and in the later stages of adrenal fatigue, you see more of a flat line where the cortisol is very low throughout the whole day. In between those two stages, you might see someone who's got really normal levels, you know, right in the midline of cortisol throughout the day, but then it either spikes or it drops at a specific time in the day. And so that can help to give us information about what stage they're at as well. And depending on what stage of adrenal fatigue you're in, we might give different herbs. So that's the other time that, well, one of the other times that I will do this um, cortisol testing and it's called an adrenocortex stress profile. It's a saliva test and you spit into this little tube at four different times throughout the day and send it off and then they measure the cortisol at those four different points. And so, yeah, another time that I would test is if we're not sure whether you're in the early stages or the late stages, if the picture's not quite clear, then I like to do the testing because it helps me to decide which herbs that I'm going to give that person because the herbs you give in the early stages of adrenal fatigue might be quite different to what you give in the later stages. And same with some of the nutritional supplements as well. Uh, I have tested women before to get their husbands on board with the fact that you know they need to slow down and they need to they need to stop and put themselves first. And sometimes they say, oh, yeah, but my husband doesn't understand how much I do and he doesn't think that I need to get in help and blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, okay, show him the test. Show him because it's a scientific test. It's got a little graph. It's got everything you need. And sometimes that even helps to get women over the line when they're in a, a bit of that sort of, look, I don't think there's anything too wrong with me stage. <laughs> they're like, no, no, I'm really good at getting stuff done. It's like, yeah, here's your cortisol reading. Now, does that look healthy to you? So there's there's lots of different reasons that why we would test. Um, but, yeah, most commonly I test to find out what stage people are in. That That's usually why I would pull it out and use it. But, look, you know, 
10 years ago, we didn't have those tests as, as readily available. Uh, naturopaths weren't using it as widely. And we used to just go off symptoms. We used to sit down and ask the client a lot of questions. And then through asking a lot of those questions, you would be able to determine what stage they were in anyway. So there's, there's lots of different ways to do it. But I do think now that we've got the scientific testing at our disposal, then it helps to get a lot of people over the line in terms of sticking to the treatment plan as well. You know, you get more compliant patients when they've got a little graph to work off. Yeah. No. And how does the medical community look at that? Um, Adrenal fatigue in general? Because I I get the feeling that that's something that they sort of, yeah, I think it's a bit of a misnomer. Yeah, definitely not everyone's on board with it. and it is changing. You do see there are doctors out there now who, who will work with this and they will work within this paradigm, uh, but there are still medical practitioners out there who don't as well. There's people out there who will just flat out say, I don't believe in adrenal fatigue. And it's like, oh, okay. But there's, you know, so sometimes you, if, if this is something that you want to explore, you might need to look for a doctor that's on board with it and they are out there. Um, And so sometimes it just takes a bit of research to find the right practitioner for you as well. But I do think that the the more science we get under our belt, the, you know, the more information, the more testing, the more people are going to jump on board with this. It's just that it's very early days for a lot of people to change their thinking. Yeah, and especially if they studied medicine years and years ago and it wasn't such a busy world, there were probably less people coming forward with adrenal fatigue in general. Yeah, and I've, I still do get a lot of clients who will come to me and say, I went to the doctor about this and I was offered antidepressants. But either they, either the antidepressants didn't work or the client will say to me, I didn't want to take them and is there anything that you can do to help me that's that's different to what I've been offered. So um, I I do I get frustrated sometimes with that lack of support in terms of you know resorting to the drugs first and just not looking at that overall picture of that person first. Oh, um, it's a whole other podcast episode or it, podcast it um, show in general. <laughs> it is, but but just know that it is slowly changing, and there are doctors out there now that I work with and that I refer to. Uh, and that I, you know, I have seen a GP myself who has suffered from adrenal fatigue herself and, 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 you know, and will use the term adrenal fatigue in her practice. So it is changing. It's just a very slow process. And if you want to find a, a medical practitioner who supports this way of thinking, you just have to shop around, unfortunately. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, I'd love for you to share a quote or affirmation, um, you know, that, is on this topic or could help some women out there? Yeah, I was thinking about this and, look, I think affirmations are supposed to be, they're supposed to have such a positive slant on it, but I think if I had to give you one line to really sum things up, it would be that letting go of perfection. Mm -hmm. So, and I don't know if that's the perfect affirmation, but I think Every day we need to wake up and just tell ourselves that today I'm going to let go of that concept of perfection, that ideal of perfection, and that I'm perfect just the way I am. And I know that sounds a bit fluffy, but we expect so much of ourselves and this is where we end up having problems because we have these unrealistic expectations. So I think if you can wake up every morning and just – tell yourself that you're perfect just the way you are 
and you let go of that silly notion that you're not enough, then, you know, that's a, that's the first step forward to recovery. It really is. Yeah, no, that's really, really amazing advice. Um, I'd love you also to let us know what it is that drives you and what gets you up in the morning if it's not the coffee. <laughs> it's my two elderly rescue Labradors who harass me for food on the dot every morning by headbutting my bedroom door if I leave it shut <laughs> or barging in if I leave it open. Um, <laughs> and no, it's not the coffee. Um, <laughs> sorry, husband, if you're listening. Um, <laughs> he will, I'm sure. <laughs> he gets a bit of a mention, so, you know. He doesn't even listen to my podcast, seriously. <laughs> He's too busy making the coffee for the people. Um, no, look, I I think what gets me up in the morning is helping people and finding out new and better ways to help people. I'm a bit of a nerd when it comes to researching, so I've got my head in that laptop day in, day out, searching, 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 looking for new reasons, looking for new tests, looking for new ways, looking – you know, reading about biochemistry and all those things I never thought I'd be into, but I have to be into to get to the bottom of why women are so sick at the moment. And I now have a special interest in something called pyrrole disorder or pyroluria, which you'll see me talk about a lot on my website. Because oh, I have, Jules, I, have I need to talk about this. Me too. And so does oh. my daughter. So, I mean, I know people are hearing it um, probably for the first time, but it is, yeah, it's rife. And it's just, I guess, becoming new because there's testing now. There's testing now, and this is this is the thing. There's testing, and I went to a GP myself personally only a few months ago to get something. I, I wanted a blood test for B6 to make sure that I was on the right track with my supplementation, and he said, why do you want a blood test for B6? And I said, because I have pyrrole disorder and I take massive amounts of B6, and he said, I don't believe in pyrrole disorder. So I never went back to him. Um, so, yeah, the <laughs> It is quite a new concept um, and it's like, how, do, how can you say you don't believe in pyrrole disorder? That's like saying you don't believe in herpes. They're still going to be there when you, you know, when you look. Yeah. Like, it's like saying you don't believe in tonsillitis and then there it is. Like it's pyrrole disorder. Here's the test result. What, what part don't we get? But yeah. anyway, they'll catch on. Um, but look, the, the, pyro, the whole pyrrole disorder is just another piece in the puzzle. It's getting to be quite fashionable at the moment and it's a bit of a buzzword and you will see it pop up more and more. Um, but it, it is just one piece of the puzzle, but it was a huge piece of the puzzle for me because once I addressed that, like I just felt so much better, like so much stuff got better because I didn't realize how much it had affected me uh, in that. So when you got pyrrole disorder, uh, basically your body makes too much of this substance called pyrroles and they bind to your zinc and your B6 and they carry them out of the body. And so if you're stressed or busy, <laughs> hello, adrenal fatigue, um, if you're stressed or busy, uh, then you'll make more of these pyrroles, which means they bind to more of your B6 and more of your zinc, and so you'll end up with less B6 and less zinc for you. Total uh, downward spiral, basically. Total downward spiral. And what do you know? B6 is needed for healthy adrenals and zinc's needed for healthy digestion. So, see, nothing happens in isolation. They are all connected. And I... I discovered really quickly I'd been taking B6 and zinc for, you know, it was in that big bowl of vitamins that I was talking to you about earlier, mm -hmm. uh, but I wasn't taking the right amounts to deal with the amount of pyrroles that my body was producing. I was taking the amounts that I was taught in college that you needed to give people, but 
the amounts you give someone when they've got pyrrole disorder are very, very different and it's done in a very different way. I also had copper toxicity from long-term, very, very long-term zinc deficiency meant that my body was storing copper and my levels of copper were very high. So I also had a massive copper toxicity that I had to get down. So that was a, that was a process in itself. And once I, once I dealt with those things, I found my energy levels got so much better. The anxiety just went. Um, the depression started to get better. The mood swings got better. B6 is needed for healthy hormones. Suddenly, I didn't have PMS in the same way that I'd had for years and years and years. Um, I'm now, um, it's only been the last few months and I've been, uh, I've been getting treatment for pyrrole disorder since November last year. So it's been 12 months um, and it's only been in the last two or three months that I've been able to get the endometriosis under control. So I've had endometriosis since day dot. I think we need to get you on another pyrrole episode. Yeah. Yeah, yeah let's do a pyrrole episode. So, you know, I'm, I'm very nerdy in that once I find something like that, I just dive down that rabbit hole. I've also dived down the MTHFR rabbit hole a little bit, which is another thing that I have that a lot of – and do you know what? Like my clients kept rocking up with these things and then I tested myself for them. So it's like I would get client after client after client with, uh, you know, with pyrrole disorder. And then suddenly I was like, I think I need to get tested. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> client totally. after client after client with MTHFR. And then suddenly I'm like, I need to get tested. Universe so now is sending <laughs> you messages. I know. So I've become like this unlikely. And I definitely would not say expert because I'm nowhere near it yet. But I've I've be, I've got this unlikely obsession that's cropped up with these things, which means that now I even attract more of those clients <laughs> yeah. because I because I now have this special interest in it. So it's it, it, it's interesting where your own health journey impacts on your career when you're a practitioner. Hey, absolutely agree with that. That's so funny. And I think I think I just what comes to mind as well is that. On the other extreme is, I mean, when you're learning pathology, um, you know, as a chiro student or a naturopathy student, suddenly you have every disease that you're learning about. You know, it's like, oh, I've got bloating. Oh, I've got, you know, like whatever. And it's like suddenly you've got, you know, like, I don't know, bowel cancer. Like you can also go crazy with it if, you know, but I mean, that was a very, oh, long, yeah. you know, was, was a very was long a- time ago. It probably had something more to do with the fact that I traveled to India for three months when I was 22. <laughs> but, you know, it was just um, funny times, I guess, practitioners, we could, you know, sh- have a laugh about that. But um, how about um, just maybe sticking more with the adrenal um, for now? if there's some invaluable resources or things that you would direct people to look into more so, whether it be um, books or just whatever they can find out more about that if they want more detail. Yeah. Do you know who's amazing at this? It's Dr. Libby Weaver. She Uh is freaking phenomenal when it comes to this stuff. She gives talks about this. I can't even tell you how many of my clients I've set them homework and their homework was to watch her 10-minute YouTube talk. Um, So she did a TED talk and I think – I think it's called something along the lines of the pace of our modern lives versus our cavewoman biochemistry. But if you just Google, I'll Dr. put it in the Lib- show notes. No worries. Yeah, but yeah, Google Dr. Libby TED Talk, and mm-hmm. it's there. And yeah, it's it's all of what we were just saying. But she's so succinct and she's so powerful in her delivery, um, and she's so experienced at this. But she also has that biochemical brain where she can tell you what's going on behind the scenes, like what the hormones are doing, and she just explains it so well. Now she's also got a book called Rushing Women's Syndrome, 
uh, that's also a really good place to start when when you're talking about adrenal fatigue. Um, and again, it leads on from that TED Talk and it talks about all the stuff we were saying today uh, about having to put yourself first for change, but she also gives you really good actionable steps on how to do that. Awesome. Um, if you want to get more into the guts of it all and you you know you you want to get you know if if you're one of those people who loves to do a lot of research on Google then Dr Josh Axe has got some really good resources as yeah, well. I like his work, yeah. Yeah, I think he's at draxe.com. Yeah, and um, he's got a pretty good Facebook page as well. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, he does. He's and he's very active and he he does um they sometimes do I think webinars, he does yeah. those yeah, yeah, those summits as well. There's yeah. like every now and again there'll be an adrenal fatigue summit and they're pretty good. Um, and then, of course, there's my free guide to adrenal fatigue that's on my website as well. Yeah, so that was my next question. I mean, obviously, you're practicing and you're in Byron, but um, you've mentioned that you do Skype consults. Can you um, tell the listeners a little bit more about how they can get in touch with your services and where they can find more, whether it be your, your e-books and guides, but also more Facebook page? And just give me all your links so I can put them in the show notes. Awesome. Yeah, thank you for that. Um, so, I'm at julesgalloway.com and... On there, if you scroll down the right-hand side, you'll find a free guide to healing your adrenals that you can grab straight away. So that's a really good place to start if you're just starting out or just type adrenal fatigue into the little search bar there and there's a couple of really great blog articles. I'll give you the links to them, hun. And, um, okay, sounds the, good. On all the different signs of adrenal fatigue and just explaining what we talked about today as well. I also have a 12-week program called Shiny Healthy You Fatigued to Fabulous in 12 Weeks and it's all about implementing everything we talked about today. So it, there's a lot of focus on whole foods and learning to cook and there's over 120 recipes in there and there's meal plans and shopping lists and there's also there's videos three times a week for 12 weeks where you get lessons and education on how to heal your body as well. And we don't just do the food and the diet. We also do mindfulness, yoga, gentle exercise, life coaching, you name it, it's in there. And so that's called Shiny Healthy You. And you'll find that at shinyhealthyyou.com. Yeah. And I think one thing as well, it's a little bit of accountability. <laughs> yes. We have a Facebook group. I knew that. That's why I, that's why I said yeah. it. I knew that. That's why I said it. <laughs> yeah. And that it's, you know what? It's not just accountability, but it's also support. Yeah, of course. Um, of course. And, and everyone in there, they're all in there together. So I don't, I don't run rounds anymore. You can actually join anytime you like. And so there's newbies and graduates all in the same group. And it's great to see some of the girls in there who've been in there for a while helping out the newbies with, you know, advice here and there or just that support of letting them know that it, it will get better and helping them through that. So it's beautiful and, and so many of them are mums. So it's a really good place for mums to just have a chat with other mums about what they're going through as well while they're doing the program. And, of course, you can do it from anywhere in the world and, you know, at any time of day and things like that. That's the beauty. Yeah. Look, most of the people in there are Australian, but then I've got someone in there from France and I've got people from New Zealand and people from the US. So it's really cool. I love it. Yeah, nice. It's nice to just build community. I mean, that's pretty much what this podcast is about. And you've mentioned it as well. There's plenty of people going through exactly the same thing as you and you do not need to reinvent the wheel. And there's lots of strategies out there and you've put together so much for people, um, particularly, you know, mums to be, mums, um, you know, our listeners as well. So thank you so much for your time. It's been awesome. It's one of probably going to be up there with one of the longest episodes, but I just, 
(laughs) No, no, I'm like so into it. And um, I think it's super useful and essential for people to hear this message. And there's no way I was going to cut you short. The only time I thought cut you short is when you start going on about pyrols and we can do another episode. So that's awesome. I know. Don't, don't even start me down that rabbit hole. You see what happens, but you, you know what? It's, it's really awesome that you're doing podcasts like this to get the word out. And I know that we've got this, you almost call it an epidemic of adrenal fatigue at the moment that's out there, but out of everything that's, you know, not so good will come something good. And I think there's something good in all of this is the connection and the community that I see formed around the traps. So yeah, thank you for being part of that too. Oh, yay, Jules. We definitely speak the same language and I'm not speaking about English. So yeah, (laughs) you get back to your sunny Byron Bay and um, we're in the rainy Melbourne that you left and I'm in my Ugg boots for those. (laughs) You know, so get out there <laughs> and enjoy the barefoot. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry, all sorry. good, all good. Still love you. Thanks for your time. <laughs> Thank you for having me. Okay. Ciao, ciao. Bye, bye. Thank you for joining us on this episode of Mums the Word. Please remember to subscribe, rate, and review us on iTunes, and join us on our Facebook page to help us share the message to more mums all over the world. We look forward to having you join us again next time here on your trusted source for all mums everywhere, Mums the Word. This has been a production of thewellnesscouch.com. Check us out on Facebook and join in the conversation on facebook.com forward slash thewellnesscouch. Subscribe to each show on iTunes and check us out on Twitter, The Wellness Couch, streaming wellness into your lives. Whilst the Wellness Couch presenter endeavor to provide accurate and helpful information to their listeners, these podcasts cannot take into account individual circumstances and are not intended to be a substitute for health and medical advice from a qualified health professional. You should always seek the advice of a qualified health professional before acting on any of the information provided by any of the Wellness Couch podcasts.